Hey, this is Julie Mullins, co-senior pastor here at Christ Fellowship Church right here in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you for taking time out of your busy week to join us for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. Last week, we looked at the life of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. And it was Stephen's death that unleashed an all-out attack on the early church. Now, the guy that was leading that attack was a man by the name of Saul, Saul of Tarshish. Saul was born in Tarshish, a city about 600 miles north of where we are right now today. And Tarshish was one of the great learning centers of the ancient world and an important city in the Roman Empire. Saul was born a Jew. So he was born in the way of of Israel. He was born in the law of Moses, and he followed that to a T. He was a Pharisee, and as a Pharisee, he was put in charge of hunting down the early Christians, these early followers of Jesus, having them put into prison and, when necessary, even put to death. He was there at the stoning of Stephen, giving his approval to Stephen's death and persecution. Now, after Stephen was killed, Saul heads to Damascus, a city about 150 miles north of Jerusalem, to hunt down more Christians, to have them imprisoned and persecuted. Acts chapter 9 tells us, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest and requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way that he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand into Damascus. What an extraordinary moment in time. Saul, the most unlikely person to encounter Jesus, meets the resurrected Lord on this road leading out of Jerusalem. And this encounter changed everything for Saul and for the early church. In fact, what happened on this road changed everything for Christianity and for the world. See, Saul thought that he was fighting a dead man whose claims could be easily dismissed. But in the moment of revelation, Saul realized just how wrong he really was. Spoiler alert, Saul of Tarshish becomes Paul the great apostle, the one that would write nearly half of the New Testament books. He goes from murderer to missionary overnight, from persecuting Christians to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and literally turning the world upside down. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Back to the story. So God tells Saul to go into Damascus and find the street called Straight and to go to the home of Judas. I love God's sense of humor, don't you? He could have picked any street in Damascus, but he needed to straighten Saul out. So he sends him to Straight Street, which is, by the way, a real historic street in Damascus and is still there today. 
Now at the same time, the Lord speaks to a follower of Jesus by the name of Ananias and tells him to go to Saul of Tarsus at the home of Judas to lay hands on him and pray for his sight to be restored. Now when Ananias gets this vision, this word of instruction, he responds like you think he might. Lord, I've heard a lot of reports about this guy named Saul. Not a good guy. Killing people like me. Are you sure? And in verse 15, the Lord responds to Ananias and says, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. And that's exactly who Saul becomes, the chosen instrument in the hands of God to carry the message of Jesus all around the world. Saul, who becomes the apostle Paul, would carry the gospel message across most of the Roman Empire, preached before kings and rulers, He opened the gospel up to Gentiles, planted more than a dozen churches, and is credited for writing 13 books of the Bible, more than any other biblical writer. The Apostle Paul is one of the most significant people to shape Christian faith ever, which tells me God can use anyone. God can change anyone. It reminds me that God is more focused on your destiny than he is on your history. I mean, if anybody could have felt disqualified for this assignment, it would have been Saul. After all he had done to to persecute and try to shut down the early church. But how many of you know that the very thing that you think disqualifies you might just be the thing that qualifies you to do what God needs you to do? So don't count yourself out. There are three truths that I see from Saul's encounter with Jesus that changed everything for Saul. And these same three truths have the power to change everything for us today. It's the power of revelation, the power of repentance, and the power of redemption. All three were instrumental in Saul moving from where he was to where God needed him to go. He had to walk through all of them, revelation, repentance, and redemption. The first is the power of revelation. Have you ever had a revelation, a time when the lights turned on and something that had been obscured or lacked clarity, all of a sudden it came into clear view. Might've been a problem that you were dealing with at work or an issue in a relationship. And then all of a sudden you figured it out. Oh, well now I get it. Well, this is that on steroids. Because remember Saul was convinced that this Jesus of Nazareth was, was dead, that his teachings were not only unfounded but completely blasphemous. So Saul had dedicated his life to destroying this new Christian faith. But that day on this road, he got a brand new spiritual revelation. His physical eyes were blinded, but his spiritual eyes were were opened. He might've lost sight, but but his vision was restored. The power of revelation is, is a critical part of God opening up our spiritual vision, helping us to see things that you and I cannot see in the, in the natural showing us what needs to change in our lives. Proverbs 28, 18 says, without revelation, people run wild. That means without the power of revelation in our lives, we will do whatever we wanna do. One version of that verse says, without divine revelation, people will perish because they will miss out on what life is really all about. But just one revelation from Jesus can change everything. See, later in Acts chapter 26, Paul is quoted as saying, I used to think I ought to do everything I could to oppose the name of Jesus. I used to think. I once thought one way, 
but now I see it a different way. I used to be convinced that this was right, but now I see that I was wrong. The revelation gave Paul a new understanding, a new perspective on life. So I wonder what perspective you have that, that Jesus wants to change. Someplace in your life that he wants to give you a, a new revelation of his truth. I wonder what thought that you might be holding on to that's taking your life in one direction and Jesus wants to turn you around, turn your whole life around and fill it with divine purpose and, and destiny. Can I tell you, one divine revelation can change everything. Have you ever been to the eye doctor and they ask you to read that chart across the room? I remember the first time that I had to go to the ophthalmologist and, and I could read the top line really easy, you know, R-T-S-V, man, I read it proud and loud. The next line was fairly clear, but by the time I got to like the third or fourth line, I was just making stuff up. I don't know if that was a J or a K or elemental P, I don't know, couldn't quite make it out. And then they would bring out the, the, the device with all the lenses on it, the refractor. And, and they would say, is this one better than this one? Or is this one better than this one? Then all of a sudden, the chart comes into clear view. You, you see it clearly. Well, that's what happened when God opens your eyes spiritually. All of a sudden, life comes into focus. You can make out what matters most. Some of us might think, well, Todd, if, if I encountered the risen Lord on my way to work this week, like, like the apostle Paul did right there in the middle of I-95, I would believe too. I wish I could get that kind of revelation. Well, can I tell you that you and I have an even greater revelation than Paul himself had. You and I actually have something that Paul didn't have. We have the entire New Testament as a revelation to the power and the person of Jesus Christ. We have written on the pages of this word, the divine revelation of the love of God demonstrated to us through Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us. So every time that you and I open up this Word, you are opening up Christ, the divine inspired revelation of God for your life. You want the power of revelation in your life? Open up this book of revelation every day of your life. You can't get any greater revelation than this. This word is alive, it's active, it's, it's God-breathed, it's filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to speak to every situation that you need revelation on. God will use this word to direct you, to help you know which way to go because this word is a lamp unto our feet, it's a light unto our pathway. And when things around you seem dark and you can't find your way, turn this light on. It'll light you up. It's the power of God's revelation in your life. You need a word today? You need direction for something you're facing? Maybe there's a place in your life, in your career, or in a relationship where you feel turned around, maybe a bit lost. Open yourself up to the power of revelation. When Saul did that, it changed everything for him. I'm afraid too many people come to church and hear a message, maybe even get a revelation of truth, but it stops right there. If Saul had only experienced the power of revelation, but if he didn't follow up with the power of repentance, nothing would have changed. The power of change is found in the power of repentance. That word repentance literally means doing a 180. It means you're heading in one direction with your life and you have this encounter with God through the person of the Holy Spirit and you gain revelation and you stop. Stop going your own way 
and you turn the other direction and you go God's way. It's not just praying a prayer at the end of a sermon, Jesus come into my heart, God, I'm, I'm sorry for my sins, and then leaving and going right back the way you came. It's about surrendering your will and your plans to the will and plans of God for your life. It's about praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my life, God. See, embedded in the power of repentance are three significant shifts or changes that have to take place. The first is a change of mind. It starts by us recognizing how our sin keeps us separated from God. All throughout the Bible, we see men and women coming to this understanding. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter six repents for his personal sin. In the New Testament, when Peter has this revelation of who Jesus really is, he said, depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. And it was Paul who wrote that he was the chief of all sinners. So it begins with this intellectual awareness of our sin and our need for a savior, that nothing that you and I can do can take care of the sin problem. Only what Jesus did on the cross by giving us life can we be forgiven. So first there's a change of mind, but then there's a change of heart. Repentance involves a change of your emotions. It actually says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, that godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. Think about that. So sorrow or being sorry isn't the same as repentance, but true repentance will actually include godly sorrow. God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for the way that I, I've treated your grace or your kindness in my life. And many of us have felt that deep sorrow for our sin, but repentance doesn't stop there because a lot of people feel bad about their mistakes or their sins in their life. See, repentance will ultimately involve the third change, and that's the change of your will, the change of your actions. See, your will is at the center of repentance. Biblical repentance is marked by our determination to turn away from sin, to, to go a different way, to allow the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to completely change our lives. Biblical repentance is marked by this decision we make that, that we have to make every day that says, I've decided to follow Jesus and I'm not going back to my old ways. See, if Saul had had this encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, if he experienced the power of revelation, even felt bad about what he had done to all those Christians, but had gone back to his old ways, nothing would have changed. And Paul would have missed out on the incredible life God had waiting for him. He would have never been a part of turning the world upside down. See, the power of repentance is really what opens the door for you to experience the life you've been created for. It literally changes the direction of your life because it puts you in sync with the creator of your life. Man. I love it because following Paul's revelation and his repentance, his life was redeemed. I mean, that revelation that, that led to that repentance, it didn't stop there for the apostle Paul. It actually brought about a redemption in his life. And this is that third truth that we're gonna talk about this morning. It's the, it's the power of redemption. And to really understand the true power of redemption, we, we've gotta go back to what Paul was getting ready to do in that moment on the road to Damascus. He carried in his bag that day letters that he was going to take those who were followers of the way and he was going to imprison them and maybe even put them to death. I need you to know today that this is what fueled him for his journey that day. I mean, his eyes, 
They filled with the bloodshed of innocent Christians. But little did Paul know that one day his eyes would be transformed by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I mean, we talked about it last week. We, we mentioned in that stoning of Stephen that Paul, he just wasn't an onlooker, that he actually approved it. Look in your scriptures, Acts 1.8. Paul approved the execution of Stephen. This fueled him. But what Paul didn't know at that moment, in the moment of his persecution, was that actually that God was going to use the persecuted church to bring the good news of Jesus further and faster than anyone could ever imagine. And in fact, it's all part of Paul's redemption story. I want you to look today in Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 21. Here's what it says. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen, who we talked about last week, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists there also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. I, I want you to see this today. Paul thought that through his persecution, he was turning the world uh, right side up, but in reality, all it did is it caused those earlier believers in Jesus to go again further and faster than they ever thought or imagined, turning the world upside down for Jesus, and the gospel would go to a place called Antioch, and Antioch is important for us today, and uh, I'm not here to give you a geography lesson, but I want you to know the significance of Antioch. We pick up the story again in Acts now, chapter 13. Listen to what it says. It says, now there were in the church at Antioch. Now, there's already a church there, just a few chapters later, at Antioch. Prophets and teachers, Barnabas, who we're gonna talk about in the coming weeks, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menin, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, a.k.a. Paul. You mean to tell me that the very place that those persecuted Christians were per pushed to because of Saul actually became a house of worship where Saul would find himself? Oh, what irony. Oh, what redemption we see in the word of God for Saul. And there was something significant that happened in the life of Saul right here in Antioch. Here's what it says just two more verses later. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. <laughs> Church, I, I need you to get this in your heart today. The very place that the persecuted Christians would go would become the place where Paul's ministry and missionary journeys would be launched from. What Paul tried to destroy, God used it to deploy the church and deploy Paul himself. I mean, now listen, now listen. I, I know you didn't come here for a geography lesson but you did come here for a sovereignty lesson. And God is sovereign. 
And he can even take the persecution of a man named Saul and turn it into his goodness and his grace. See, from Antioch, the gospel would spread throughout Asia Minor. It would hit Africa and Europe. It would come to a place called America. There would be a church some 2,000 years later in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, that would declare the good news of Jesus Christ, that would go to Royal Palm Beach, would go to Port St. Lucie and Vero and Stewart and all over. It reminds reminds us today that in the face of persecution, the plan of God can still go forward, can still be used. And Paul, he lives out this truth. He says it in Romans chapter eight, for we know that God can cause all things to work together for the good of those who love him and those who have been called according to his purpose. How could he say that? Because he saw it to be true in his own life. It's true in the New Testament, it's true in the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 50, as Joseph, who was sold by his brothers into slavery, looked upon them some 13, 15 years later, looked upon them and told his brothers, what you intended for my harm, God intended for my good. God causes all things to work together for his good. And Paul, he is living truth of the power of redemption. And Paul, he never shrunk back from his past. We've been studying the book of Acts together and you actually can read the story of his conversion in Acts chapter nine, Acts chapter 22, and Acts chapter 26 that we're gonna get to in just a moment. But throughout his letters, Paul would talk about who he once was. In a letter that he wrote to his protege, Timothy, he wrote this to Timothy. First Timothy chapter one, verse 12, he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured on on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now, to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever, amen. I love this this text of scripture that, that Paul writes to his young disciple Timothy to remind him today that his redemption, his redemption was not about his performance, his redemption was about a person, that person being Jesus Christ. Paul reminds him that, 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 that a person, not our performance, redeems us. Paul later would go on to say that we were bought with a price that we have been redeemed. He put it this way in Ephesians chapter one, verse seven, that in him, Jesus, we have the redemption through his blood. You and I have redemption today through the blood of Jesus Christ. You might be saying, well, what is this idea of redemption? This idea of redemption simply means that someone would be bought back. Someone would be restored. Uh, I want you to think about this word picture today in your mind's eye. Think about a slave that was held captive, imprisoned, shackled in chains, 
constricted in a dark and confined place. This is the imagery that Paul uses for us, that he says that when we are redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ, that our chains are broken, that we are no longer held captive, that we are called to live the free and abundant life that God has for us to be redeemed means to be set free. To be redeemed means to be set free. And Paul, he, he, he was redeemed and he could have hid in the shadows of his past. But God didn't save Paul to shelf him. God saved Paul to send him. And the same thing is true for us today is that Jesus has revealed his love to us that we might not only repent, but that we would live redeemed lives that carry the love and the message of Jesus wherever we may go. It gives us a renewed boldness. It gives us purpose for our lives. Jesus didn't show up on the road to Damascus to simply reveal himself to Saul, to simply get Saul to acknowledge who he was, but to literally redeem his life. And with the same vigor and passion that he used to destroy the church, Jesus would use that within him to build his church. We read the story of what Paul talks about that happened on that road to Damascus again in Acts chapter 26. I wanna read it to us today because it gives us a little bit more insight as to what Jesus communicated to Saul, AKA Paul, in that moment and the road to Damascus. Acts 26, 16, this is what it says. This is Jesus speaking to Saul. Now get on your feet, for I've appeared to you to appoint you as my servant, and my witness. Tell people that you have seen me and tell them what I will show you in the future. I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes, why? So that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Do you see it in the text there? Just hold that text there for just a moment. Paul, I saved you to send you so that you may tell the people to turn from darkness to light. That Paul, you would step out of the shadows of your past, that you would remove the lies and labels that were placed upon you and you truly would be my servant. Paul reminds us today that our past cannot keep us from our purpose. You need to know that today. You look at the past of Paul, it didn't keep him from the very purposes that God had for him. And Pastor Todd has already said it today, but I, it bears repeating. If God can redeem Paul, he can redeem you. He can redeem your past. Some of you today, you, you feel so bound up, enchained, maybe by a generational tie to your family that seems to be something that's been handed down from generation to generation. Can I tell you today that not only can God set you free from that, he can redeem it and use it for his good. He can do it today. Some of you, you're, you're in this place today and, and, and you feel like there has been a label on your life. There's been a label that's been placed on you because of a decision that happened in your life, something that you did. Maybe it's even today the label of divorce and you feel like for some reason that, that you can't live up to the full potential of God because there's this label of divorce in your background. Can I tell you today that God can redeem the pain of your divorce and use your story to actually strengthen his church and build his church? 
Can I tell you today, some of you, you, you may feel caught up in an addiction that you can't find yourself freedom from. It's not in yourself. Your freedom is in Jesus who redeems you and places people in your life, who places people in your life to help redeem you. It's why we have Celebrate Recovery every Tuesday night. Because you know what redeemed people do? They redeem people. Redeem people, redeem people. They tell the story that you could turn from darkness to light. That's why we have that ministry called divorce care because not only do, do, does God care, but, but we care and we believe that there is best ahead of you. It's why that we, we offer this course at our church called Freedom because we actually believe that God has the power through his spirit to bring freedom to your life and set you free to live the full and abundant, redeemed life that he has for you. God redeemed Paul's story so that Paul would tell his story. And God, he wants to redeem your story to tell his story. And you are around some of the most redeemed people I know today. But I also know that there are many who have come to a place of the revelation of God and maybe who have even prayed a prayer after a service to repent and turn from their ways. But they're asking, what now, what next? What next? Let the redeemed people of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed people redeem others. Tell your story. If Paul, after that road to Damascus, would have never have put feet to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we wouldn't be here today. There are people on the other side of your redemption that are longing to hear the story of Jesus and here's what I know to be true, that often people will trust a Christian before they will trust Christ. And so if they could trust you, if they could look at your story, your story of redemption and ask you, hey, tell me more. You get to tell them about the greatest news of Jesus Christ. You get to help them turn from darkness to light, from Satan to the power and love of God today. When you came in this room, you were given a card that looks like this. I want you to grab this card today. We've actually created time in our service for you to have a moment to respond to this message. So often we funnel into this room or we, we join online and then we get to the, a closing of a service. We close our Bibles, put our phones away and we begin to move before we actually have a moment to respond to what we just heard. And so for those of you worshiping with us today at Christ Fellowship Everywhere, we've already been encouraged to grab a piece of paper and a pencil. Go ahead and do that. Those of you in this room today, I want you to grab this card because I wanna, I wanna give you a moment to respond today to the power that we talked about. The power of revelation. Here's what I want you to reflect upon today. When did you come to understand? When was it revealed to you the love of Jesus and that you responded to that? For Paul, it was on that road to Damascus. Where was your revelation moment? And if you don't have one, in just a few moments, I'm gonna pray today for those of you that need to step into that renewed understanding. But I want you to think about a moment in your life that you've understood the revealed love of God. The second area that I'd ask you to reflect on this card today is that second truth today, the power of repentance. 
Pastor talked about three shifts, a shift in our heart, a shift in our mind, and a shift in our will. And maybe there's an area in your life today that needs some repenting. It needs some changing. It needs some shifting today. I want to give you a moment to write on that card today. And then thirdly, is there an area in your life that needs to be fully redeemed? Something that needs to be addressed? Maybe an event from your childhood, a decision that you made, that you need to trust Christ today to fully and completely redeem it. You're gonna be able to take this card and put it in your Bible and take it with you this week or maybe put it on your mirror in your bathroom or in your car to reflect upon it. But I just wanna give you, just give you a few moments here to fill this card out and then I'm gonna be back to pray with us here in just a moment. So Jesus, you know what everybody is processing right now as they're writing on these cards. Thank you for your revealed love to us that you sought Saul out and that you seek us out, that you came to seek and save the lost. Thank you that not only in saving us, you want to work in our hearts and our lives. Pray that you would continue to transform us into your likeness. And that we, like Paul, would be fully redeemed, trusting you with every area of our lives today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here today and it's hard for you to write that first moment down because you can't remember the time that you understood the love of Jesus Christ. That you understood that God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whosoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You don't have a revelation moment. Today can be your moment. Today can be the moment where you respond to the unlimited, unbound grace and love of God. I just wanna give you a moment today to respond to that. I wanna pray a prayer with you. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus died and rose again, you will be saved for it's with your heart that you believe and it's with your mouth that you confess today. And so I want to lead you in that prayer of confession. If you're here in this room and you would say, Dave, I, I know that today is a day that I'm understanding the love of God for the first time or coming back to the love of God for a second time. You want to begin or restart your relationship with him. Would you just raise your hand across the room today? I just want to know who I'm praying for, who I'm praying with. Yeah, just raise it high. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray this prayer together. Those of you with your hands raised, pray aloud. Say, dear Jesus, I know I need you. I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins and fill me with your spirit. I believe you died for me and that you rose again. I give you my life in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441-441 and then select the option that applies to you. 
And if you enjoyed this message, just make sure that you subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to all of you who so generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's really because of you that everything we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.